0: All right, we're going to get started. It's 10.30-ish, <laughs> so that's time. Um, we have a lot of special guests here that i want to acknowledge, uh, people, new friends, old friends, uh, people I've known my entire life and have known me for even longer, um, so I just wanted to acknowledge a few people. One, always, there's AJ. AJ, say hi. Hey. He's not a guest, he basically runs this place. Uh, but I do want to introduce my mom. Right, how, cool is that? how many of your moms show up at your workplace? <laughs> huh? This is top tier right here. Uh, I also wanted to acknowledge the Davis family. If y'all could kind of wave. They've, yes, so They've been dear friends of this church for many, many years uh, and partners with us in ministry for. How long, Ronnie? Over a decade. Uh, And to all y'all who are from out of town, so this whole ginseng crew, we were talking last Friday about what does it look like to partner in an urban area in a meaningful way? Ask (laughs) (laughs) Ronnie. Because they they don't live here in New Orleans. Where do do y'all live? Dallas. Yeah, they live in Dallas, so they're they're in in an urban area in their own right. They don't live here in New Orleans, but they have very meaningfully partnered with us over um, over a decade, you know. And so that's uh, we were talking about the longevity and how much difference that makes. That's that's a huge part of why this partnership has been so good and, and for us over the years. Um, but yeah, welcome GenSind. If y'all are familiar with Jinsind, it's a, it's a group that's through the North American Mission Board. So they're denominational partners with us uh, who are here with us for five weeks, right? I mean, it's, yeah, weeks, four, weeks, four, 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 four. Four. so it's Santa Fe this summer, so it's been the whole summer with us, specifically here in the French Quarter, um, and at the end of this, they're going to do a prospectus of what ministry might look like in the French Quarter, so they're learning from us, they're learning from uh, other people throughout the city that are teaching them kind of the trade craft of, of ministry, and they're going to give it uh all their ideas their best ideas at the end of the summer so y'all are welcome to come join us for that do you know the dates for that 28. the 28th at i think 10 a.m at new orleans baptist theological seminary hey what's up and more friends walking through the door um but i'm very glad that y'all are here i um, very glad to to welcome all of you here to the french quarter this morning um, There have been many times in my life that I have just been so greatly blessed by this ministry and the people involved and the partners in it. Um, whoever, oh, there's four seats right here, I think that are open. Yeah, there
1: are seats.
0: Thanks. The guys who helped bring chairs earlier, could y'all go get a few more chairs? Thanks. All right. A few quick announcements. I know we were closed this past Friday uh, for Shower Friday. Sorry about that uh, to those of you who attend on us. Um, But we are open this Friday and we'll be open probably till Thanksgiving, right, Phil? Sure. Yeah. Lord willing. God willing, the hurricanes go elsewhere. Thanksgiving, we'll figure it out. we do have small group uh, again this week. So there's a small group Wednesday night here at the church that's at 6. There's another small group at my house um, at 6.30 on Tuesdays. And you can gauge how much I trust you by whether or not I tell you my address. Um, and so y'all are all welcome to that. Even the Jensen, I know y'all are here for a brief time. That makes you no less a part of this church for when you're here. So y'all feel free to come join in the small groups if you want. And I know you're here this week. Feel free to come back next week. We may or may not have space for you, um, but we always have space in our hearts. <laughs> that was really cheesy. Thank you for someone laughing at that. Let me pray and stop talking, and I think that would be good for everyone. Father God, sometimes ministering here in a deep urban area can feel like you're on an island, and people have forgotten about you, and that your needs are not known cared about god and then there's days like today when you've got 60 people in the room that tells you that you have friends you have people who care about the ministry of god who care about the people in this congregation the people that we minister to god thank you for our brothers and sisters in christ throughout our country god throughout our world um, god thank you for everything that they've been able to do this summer and that they will do this summer In the fridge quarter god i pray that this ministry here this summer this preparation lord that they could take it back with them and that this would be a meaningful part of each and every story in the room god i pray knowing that we have more christians in the room than we usually do lord i pray that you would still bring your conviction today or that people would not come here just to have a fun worship experience God but that you would change hearts and minds today Lord. that you would change lives today that you would change ministries and trajectories today God not by anything that we're about to do Lord but through your spirits in your word God as we read your Word, as we pray your words Lord I pray that your truth would come through God because as I always pray we need your truth Lord because we need to be set free we definitely leave long to be free. God, please help focus our hearts and minds today on you, that we would leave behind everything that entangles us, everything that distracts us, Lord, and to be able to focus on you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. One last announcement. Uh, I just want to say a huge thank you to Kara, who's giving me a look right now, like, oh bro, stop talking. Yeah. Yeah, can we clap for her? Um, A lot of our normal people are traveling this weekend. And so Kara's here. She's going to help us lead worship. And so I hope that you will be abundantly encouraging of her and and, and her crew who's leading today. Uh, And so I'll hand it over to the Davis family. Thank you.
2: Lot. Come and see what God has done. He is toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. There they there, they pass through the river on foot. There do we rejoice in him. Who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our Lord, O oh people. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living, and has not let our feet slip. This is Galatians 6, 1-16 brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised.
3: join me we're, going to, excuse me, we're going to enter into a time of confession. There's going to be, I leave up on the screen. Is that correct, Alex? There will be a prayer, so if you'll pray, we'll read that together. And then afterwards, I'll pray a prayer of assurance and a commission over us, okay? You join me in prayer. God of all the nations, your glory fills the earth. By your, By your amazing deeds and an unending love, you have you rescued, rescued and redeemed a, redeemed a people for your own. own. Free yes. from the bondage of, of death, forged <laughs> together into a community, <laughs> forged, no, I'm going to keep going, forged together, uh, is that wrong there? You're good, just keep right. rolling. Forged together into a community of hope, of spirit, and of life, but we, we do, do not rest in your mercy and peace. In peace. We burden ourselves of one, and one another, taking every the opportunity, opportunity to boast in ourselves, in ourselves. To, to
0: proclaim our own righteousness, righteousness. To, to sow into, into our flesh, rather than humbly, gently bearing with one, one another, loving one another, closer and closer, and closer to you. God.
3: Forgive us, God. O Lord. Restore God. us once again. And let me pray uh, this prayer of assurance that God does forgive. Um, and he, he actually longs in, 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 in delights of and delights and rejoices in forgiving us of our, our sins when we confess them to us. So brothers and sisters believe and hope, have hope for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything, for Christ you are forgiven, you are welcome and you are loved. So we'll rejoice together and give praise to the Lord who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. So God, in the fresh beginnings, you make all things new in the wisdom, wisdom of Jesus Christ. Make Big us agents of your, your transforming power and heralds of your reign of justice and
0: peace that we all may share, share in the healing Christ brings. Amen. Wow. Amen.
4: play guitar and music, and my friends <coughs> volunteer me. I'm um, not <laughs> in the room, but <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: um,
4: but I am happy to be here. Uh, I do love worship. I love to play music. Um, I love the Lord. Um, so with that being said, um, I just want you all to think about, you know, like don't think about the distractions around you. Don't think about, you know, necessarily what the music sounds like, what your friend's doing next to you, but what the Lord is doing in your heart. Um, and I pray that you guys take this time of worship seriously and uh, know how loved you are, um, and I ask you guys stand singing. Blood. Uh if you know it or if you want to look it up.
0: down. Thank you. Um, at this time, we are dismissing kids. Anybody who wants to, there's child care upstairs um, with some professional teachers, so that's nice. Uh, and the TBRI trained uh, trauma-informed caregivers. So it's pretty cool a church our size to have that. Um, welcome. We do have some some overflow uh, tactics in place, I think, upstairs, so we should be all right. Normally, I would be worried if our worship leader and our liturgist and our head deacon and the guy who runs the slides and several other people were out on the same day. But man, y'all made that happen. Thank you so much. Um, and Kara, I thought you did a great job. Yeah. If I can share just one piece of her history that I found to be meaningful, is that all right? Sure. Okay. Um, she told me she grew up Church of Christ, which if you're familiar, they don't use instruments in worship. And I just thought that was really cool how she's leading here for us this morning, uh, coming from that background. And I, I love the ways that um, everybody's story is so unique and individual as they come into uh, into church life here and into into a full life lived in worship of God. just wanted to point that out and encourage me. Uh, please go with me to the book of Proverbs, and we're in chapter 10. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. We're in a series right now. Uh, we're going taking about 33 weeks to go through the whole book um, because it's important. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. We don't talk a lot about wisdom in our day. We talk about spiritual leading a lot. Uh, which is worthwhile and valuable. Spiritual leading, uh, at times we tend toward the legalistic. We want God to tell us what to do. We don't want Him to teach us how to be and how to think. Um, how to think for ourselves and to walk wisely. But that's not biblical. Much of the Bible is devoted to wisdom. About 15% of our Protestant canon, and even more if you add the Apocrypha, is devoted to wisdom literature. Think about proverbs like letters written by parents to their children, to generations they'll never meet. Of everything they most want their children to remember, wisdom is calling out in the streets, they write. But it's hard to hear over the noise of everything going on in the world. There is so much being said in the world that it's hard to know what's good and what's nourishing. I started out this series uh, making a contrast, drawing a line between wisdom and what I would argue we've replaced it with in our day and age, which is information. And something that uh, Chris Armstrong calls immediacy. Information and immediacy. The world is happy to tell you everything popular and trending, and therefore, therefore, from the world's perspective, important and true. But in all the noise forming us and shaping us, misshaping us spiritually, do we know what is what? Can we actually step out of our own perspectives for just a moment and notice the way that we see the world? Can we be honest that all of our progress as a society has not been in a good direction towards good ends? We've talked about those things which are meant to be at the core of our lives, things like love, Wisdom family compassion and the spirit of God himself there are these are necessary things to keep in your heart Meaning that deepest part of your thoughts and desires your heart is like a wellspring Proverbs says if you lose it or if you allow the enemy to poison it you run dry We have to make a choice each day between wisdom and foolishness between death and life Sin and folly, foolishness, are able to consume you without ever being satisfied. But death doesn't always look like some monster with a gaping mouth trying to swallow you whole. Sometimes death seduces you. Sometimes it looks fun and exciting, and usually evil is proud of itself. But wisdom causes a person to thrive. Today, after so much time looking at the value of wisdom in our lives, this section of the book He's going to begin teaching wisdom. So we're entering in chapter 10, the, verse, the section of Proverbs that is sentence literature, right? Uh, Andrew Wilson, who preached for us from First Baptist a couple weeks ago, called it uh, Twitter mode, right? Uh, but I would argue worthwhile. Um, and so we're going to enter that part of Proverbs that is just sentences of such good advice. Uh, you'll notice that each verse is going to stand on its own it's tempting to try to go through and and make sense of why one verse is next to another verse and I would like to save you some time and just tell you that there is no thread Uh, they stand on their own single sentences uh, except for the thread of it's all just really good advice the text is going to change the way I'm preaching too. normally I try to spend the whole sermon talking about one point from a passage Uh, but in these passages there isn't just one point there's several so I'm going to hit on several topics which run as themes or currents through the text. So let's go ahead and read it. It's a beautiful passage, Proverbs chapter 10. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes glad his father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. (coughs) Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. We'll stop there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me briefly. Father God, I pray again this morning that regardless of what comes out of my mouth, Lord, even if I make every mistake in this, God, I pray that you would show us your truth by your spirit and your word today. God, because we know your truth will set us free. We long to be free. I pray this in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. These chapters are a collection of sayings. Words to live by. Think about for a moment what were the repeated phrases in your house growing up. And what were they meant to teach you? How were they meant to shape you? As I pointed out earlier, my mom is actually here with us today. So I'm going to tell her a little bit what some of the repeated phrases were in our household. It would make her really nervous right now. I did not prep her at all that I was going to do this. All right, so repeated phrases in our household. I remember hearing a lot. Be grateful for your food because so many people don't have enough and if you don't have anything nice to say just don't say anything at all something I wish social media as a whole would learn (laughs) what about treat others how you'd want to be treated I think she she stole that from Jesus but it was still often repeated in her household Hearing things over and over again, that kind of repetition, that that kind of ritual shapes you spiritually, informs you spiritually over time. So let me ask you, what, what words do you live by? What actions do you constantly repeat every day, maybe? And are they wise? Because over and over again, Proverbs has taught us that wisdom is calling in the streets. It's not hiding, it's not secret. It's available, it's calling in the streets, but foolishness is also calling out. And foolishness is just death and sin by another name. While righteousness is a familiar path, so are the roads familiar that lead to death. The first theme I want to point out in what we read this morning is this. Wisdom hears and accepts correction and instruction. Wisdom hears and accepts correction and And instruction i'm looking at verses 8 9 14 17 and others this is going to be a continued theme wisdom righteousness hears and accepts correction and instruction but foolishness wickedness it approves of itself and it only seeks to hear that which it already believes verse 8 says the wise of heart will receive commandments verse 17 says whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life but he who rejects correction leads others astray wisdom at any age at any level of intelligence or understanding hears and accepts correction and instruction before i was a a pastor here i was a discipleship pastor for a a number of years about a decade i would take a group of people usually just a, a few people about three or four and we would begin meeting together regularly to to pray to open the Word of God together to confess our sins to each other like we did this morning and to seek forgiveness and assurance of and pardon and these are the people who would lead small groups and disciple others in the church <clears throat> doing that kind of work I, I learned really quickly quickly the people who grow spiritually by leaps and bounds when you are intentionally in a discipleship relationship with them it's not the smartest people it's not the most spiritual people or those who've been in church the longest or who know the Bible the best in intentional discipleship the people who grow the most are those who accept correction and instruction it's the people who are teachable who are able to be taught as a discipleship pastor if given the choice between someone who is at the top of their class even in seminary and knows the Bible backwards and forwards. The choice between that and a new believer who is eager to learn and knows nothing and is steeped in sin, I will take the new believer every time. But of course, if you're a good pastor, you don't choose the people whom you disciple, right? You disciple the people God brings into your congregation in whatever way you can. But let me ask you this morning, you and your congregation in your church, if this is not your home church, do you accept correction willingly? Do you seek it out? Do you accept instruction? Are there people in your life whom you consider to be your teachers, whom you consider to be wiser than even yourself? Do you have people in your life whom you ask for advice and instruction and correction, that you're open to that. Leroy is one of mine. I have worked with him for many years at the Baptist Association, which I also work at. And uh, he was a a black pastor in Selma, Alabama, for about 30 years, through the seventies and nineties, and then worked for the denomination for another decade or so. I call him one of my notebook people because whenever I go in to speak with him, I bring a notebook so I can write down everything that he says and everything that God teaches me in and through his experience and his perspective and his wisdom. He's worked enormous change in his time and in his community and denomination, but all without using shame or violence. He speaks truth and love and trusts God to work in that. And I'm not telling you that to say that I'm doing things right, I'm telling you that because that relationship has been a wellspring in my life. I need Leroy and others like him And you need people like him in your life. You need people in your life who can correct you because they don't share your perspective. Hey, Russell, (laughs) an opinion on culture. You need people who you consider to be wiser than yourself. And you need actively to seek their advice. Because most wise people will not speak into your life until you ask them. Two stories of how I've seen this play out practically. Just to get real real with you this morning, right? give you some some uh, examples in life one man I'm gonna call him James uh, he was part of my small group this is back when I was teaching high school he was part of my small group in a church plant and um, he was a deeply spiritual person and I really loved that about him and appreciate that about him deeply spiritual always attuned to the leading of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit and he used his gifts for many years for the good of the church Uh, incredible gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy. Uh, One day he called a meeting with the pastors of the church, and he told them that he no longer accepted their authority over him as pastors, and that he would no longer be accepting their instruction or correction, because they did not share his spiritual gifts. So how could they possibly have anything to teach him if they weren't nearly as spiritual as he was? He felt he was more in tune with the leading of the Spirit than they were and this is where I learned a very important lesson as a young soon-to-be pastor (coughs) that you've probably heard me repeat several times Phil people who are part of this church there are more spirits in the world than just the Holy Spirit I'm gonna say that again there are more spirits in the world than just the Holy Spirit If you are open to the leading of the spirit and yet are not dependent on, for example, someone who has the gift of discernment, you are opening yourself up to the leading of the enemy. So as soon as he began rejecting instruction and correction, I saw Satan devour this man. And the spiritual leading to which he was so attuned was the exact weapon that the enemy then used against him. Because he isolated himself. If ever anyone tried to correct him, he would tell them that the Spirit had told, him utter- had told him otherwise. And so who are you to speak a word against God? And if you think what I'm doing is-, is unwise, then you are faithless, and you do not see what I see. And in that way, he became a church of one. And he, walking- he began walking down a very dark path. And friends, he is not the only one. at this point in my ministry, <coughs> I have met many people on that same road. It ends in death, friends. That road does. It's road that goes down to Sheol. <coughs> Wisdom hears and accepts correction and instruction. Fools trust in their own discernment. The wicked are righteous in their own eyes. Fools follow their own ways. People will tell you things like, "Ah, God and I are good. We have our own deal worked out. <clears throat> or they'll tell you, well, that's your opinion, but you know who makes you an authority? They'll go on TikTok or Facebook or whatever their website of choice is, and they'll find a hundred people who agree with them. So how could they possibly be wrong? Meanwhile, wisdom hears and accepts correction and instruction. I said I was going to tell you two stories. Uh, a second man, I'll call, I'll call him John. Uh, he had moved here to attend seminary, and he knew the Bible already pretty well. He was friends with someone that I had already been discipling, and and so uh, my, you know, the person I had been discipling told John it had been a beneficial relationship in his life. And so, day one, John gets here. He shows up at church. I'd never met this dude before in my life, and he says, "Well, if you're the discipleship pastor, I want to be a disciple." To which I kind of came back at him with a, a nudge. I come back at most people with and say, "Look, being my disciple is worthless." let's together be disciples of Jesus. And he looks at me and he says, okay, I'll call that lesson number one. He texted me and my friend that we can ask us what day we were getting together to study, pray and confess to each other. And he texted us every week after that to make sure that we got together. And I still mark that time as one of the healthiest and most abundant times in my spiritual life. Just because of his insistence That he, in his time here attending seminary, would be discipled and would receive correction and instruction. Because wisdom hears and accepts correction and instruction. So let me ask you this. What is the pattern in your life? (coughs) Do you accept correction? Do you ask for advice? What actions do you repeat every day? What words do you repeat in your household? Do you thank people for disagreeing with you? Or do you try to intimidate them? Or do you try to find people who agree with you? Do you shout them down? Do you put them on blast? Who are the people you trust, who are, you think, you think, are wiser than you are? And do you ask them outright for input on the important matters of your life? The second theme of the text is this, your righteousness, Your wisdom, it's not just for you. It is not for you alone. Your righteousness, your wisdom, it is not for you alone. (coughs) Any (coughs) Any wisdom or righteousness given by God to you is a gift that you are meant to steward. Yes, for yourself and your family, but also for the people around you over and over again in this chapter wisdom and righteousness are shown to be not for the individual to whom wisdom or righteousness is given but for the whole community verse 15 says this a rich man's wealth is in his strong city i will say that again a rich man's wealth is is his strong city meaning you are not truly wealthy until your whole community is thriving that is a gift a blessing that was given to you to steward, not just for yourself, yes, for yourself, but also for your community. The same thing goes for wisdom. The same thing goes for righteousness. Y'all, there is not an us and them, there is not a sinner's and the pious. We are all a part of humanity. To quote John Dunn, no man is an island. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. We cannot be wise and righteous until we are sharing our wisdom and righteousness with the people around us who are mired in sin and foolishness. You cannot be wise by yourself, just like you cannot be a Christian by yourself. You need community surrounding you, and you need to be using your gifts to serve them. Your wisdom and righteousness are your strong city. Let me give an example. We lurk a lot at our church with addiction, and I've seen a lot of people come through addiction. If that is something that you are struggling with, there is hope in Christ for you this morning. Some of them turn around after they come through addiction and they despise everyone who is still addicted because they tell them, why aren't you just strong enough like me? Why don't you just do what I did and come through? Other people, when they meet people still mired in addiction, when that's in their past, their hearts break for them. And they give them whatever advice, whatever hope they can, in hopes that that addicted person might be freed and living abundant life in Christ again. And I've seen others come out of other kinds of sins, sins like legalism and racism. Some turning and despising all of those who are still mired in those sins, but others seeking tenderly, lovingly to help free people from those sins, which when full-grown lead to death of various sorts in people's lives. The Apostle Peter, in his first letter, quotes Proverbs 10, so quotes our passage. He writes, as each of you has received a gift, let him use it to serve one another. Serve! meaning not lording it over the people around you not being holier than thou but sharing your wisdom and righteousness for the thriving of the people around you your wisdom your righteousness your goodness it's not meant for you not just for you your righteousness is worthless and your faith is dead if you do not use it to serve the people around you in your community your wisdom your righteousness it's not just for you <coughs> verse 12 is the, is the verse that Peter quotes that we read it says love covers all offenses when Peter calls Peter in, in first Peter calls this one of the most important truths in life he writes above all else keep loving one another earnestly why because of what we read here in Proverbs 10 love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers all offenses. The gifts God gives are meant to be shared. They are meant to be used for the peace of the community, for the good of the community, to serve one another. So, what defines your relationships with the people around you? And what would I hear in your conversation? Is it love covering offense? Is it service using whatever you've been given to lovingly serve the people around you in humility? Or do you use your righteousness like a weapon to shame others and make people feel small? (coughs) Does love cover your offense? Or when people offend you, do you allow division to come in between you and this other person who's offended you? Division, which is itself called sin throughout the Bible. For those of you who have wisdom, are you discipling? Are you teaching? Did you think that those things were given to you? So that you could win arguments and be the person in Sunday school with the right answer for those of you who have been given righteousness do you use it to look down on those without it or are you using it to uplift your community so people might see your good works and glorify your father who's in heaven or did you think that your righteousness was something that you earned our righteousness is given to us by god to steward for us and for the people around us point out one more theme and then I'm, I'm out of time I had like four or five others that I was gonna work and I knew I was like no no it's already gonna be long we're not doing that plus we've got like 20 more weeks of the series we'll fit it in John don't worry we'll get there um, thirdly in, in wisdom righteous desires never go unfilled I'll, I'll say I'll say it differently in, in wisdom righteous desires are always fulfilled in wisdom Righteous desires are always fulfilled There's a lot of proverbs when you read through that may sound like What I would call health wealth gospel and so I want to be very clear on this For example when we read verses 2 and 3 He says treasures gained by wickedness do not profit But righteousness delivers from death the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. What is he saying? How in the world could a treasure not profit? And how can he possibly say in a Bible that has multiple histories of famine for God's people, how can he possibly say that righteous people don't go hungry? I teased our Wednesday night small group this week by saying I was going to teach from the pulpit this morning that nothing good can ever happen to an evil person. And immediately they were up in arms. Everybody was like, that's not right. All the evil people I know are rich. Uh, What I mean is that treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. Verse 2. Let's start again. Let's start with what he's not saying. Solomon is not saying that if you've experienced hunger or sickness, as I know many people in the room have, that you are foolish or unrighteous. He's not saying that. I know there are a lot of people who teach that kind of thing, that if you have faith enough, if you only believe, that you will receive abundant material blessing from God in the form of money, cars, health. Again, I would call that prosperity gospel. It is all over the TV down here. That is a false teaching. It's a lie. God never promised us wealth or ease or a good life if we follow him in wisdom. In fact, something of the opposite. He tells us that trials and persecutions will certainly come. And you aren't more blessed because you are from the suburbs, y'all? And you're not less blessed if you're poor. We need to hear wisdom on this. What Solomon means by saying treasures gained by wickedness don't profit is that even good the good fortune of the wicked, foolish people, goes bad. But for wise, righteous people, even hard times, even trials, are can be a cause for celebration. As the Apostle James writes, consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. What they mean is this I have never seen it better stated than in a sixth century going way back here, a sixth century Christian brother named Boethius, who wrote a book from prison, just like a lot of Paul's letters, called The Consolation of Philosophy. He had been an advisor to the king, wealthy, a respected thinker and writer. And then the court turned against him, and the king imprisoned him, and he lost his family, he lost all of his wealth, he lost everything. And from his prison cell, just like the apostle Paul, he praises God for everything that had happened to him, for all the trials he was going through. And he also praises God for all of the good fortune up until that point where he lost it all. He praises God for both. Boethius points out that the greatest treasures in life are not even treasures to foolish people. Think about it. If you give a fool a loving wife, what does he do with her? Does he cherish her? Does he faithfully love her lifelong? No. Give a fool wealth and power, and what happens? The greatest treasures that you could possibly give to to a fool don't even profit them. You cannot bless someone who is foolish. Wisdom, on the other hand, when it receives good gifts from God, st- from God, things like wealth, health, favor, success, money, wisdom praises God for the good for His goodness and provision and is satisfied. And when wisdom's blessing is instead a curse, and life is instead a trial, and everything goes wrong, wisdom praises God for His own sufficiency and is satisfied. To quote Paul again, I have learned. To be content in every circumstance, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The wise person learns to be content in every circumstance, in wealth, in poverty, in health, in sickness. As a wise person says elsewhere, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But when foolishness receives even good gifts from God, things like wealth, health, favor, and success, foolishness is ungrateful and never satisfied bins, every plan every device everything they do on getting more when foolishness faces want in trial he curses God and despises him and looks to himself to get him through do you really know do you really not know how a treasure can be of no profit to a person haven't you seen people in this world I mean I feel like this is the theme of our news haven't you seen people in this world with everything? the world has to offer who are just as miserable as if they were a wretch with nothing? Wives, they leave. Children, they don't love. Wisdom, they scoff at. Even good things are not good in the hands of a foolish person. What can you give him that he won't misuse? With the wealth of the nations, he will hoard it and love money and die alone. With health, he will only use it to seek unjust gain. With success will only use it to oppress his neighbors every good thing turns evil in his hand so do you see what Solomon means the wise man is never dissatisfied never lacks for anything no righteous desire ever goes unfulfilled righteous desires are always fulfilled because righteous desires find their satisfaction find for their fulfillment in God who is all whereas the wicked man is never satisfied always hungry always devouring to the wise man even the small things like a sunrise that are lavished on all of us seem like grand riches and to the wicked man the greatest treasures on this earth are worthless wasted on him only leaving him wanting more righteous desires never go unfulfilled because god is our portion and we are never without him wickedness foolishness devours every good gift and only wants more And so you, this morning, what do you value? What have you been given, and what is it worth to you? What becomes of the gifts of God when they are in your hands? What do you do with what you've been given, and are you satisfied? What do you consider to be a blessing? Wisdom is calling in the streets, even occasionally in the streets of the French Quarter. Can you hear her? Will you listen? Or will you stifle the stirring of the Spirit of God in your chest and go home unchanged? Listen, what is wisdom saying to you this morning? And listen, just like I have done in every sermon in this series, as we go through books of wisdom or books of the law, when we hear this distinction, for example, between wisdom and foolishness, I don't want you to go home hearing only the law. I want you to hear the gospel as well. That even if every choice you have made up until this point has been foolish, if you're hearing this sermon with a weight of conviction, there is hope and forgiveness available in Christ for you. No matter who you are, what you've done, no matter how many foolish decisions you've made, no matter how many times you've chosen to use the things that God has given only for yourself and never for your community, even if you have never once served your church in your life, Today is the day, friends, that in Christ you can choose to change. In Christ you are forgiven. In Christ you are welcomed. In Christ you are loved. My prayer for you today, my prayer and my invitation, is to seek wisdom this morning. Wisdom which hears and accepts correction. Which always satisfies and which never leaves you alone. But it meshes you in a community where you are able to serve. As you have received a gift, wisdom which is not only of great worth, but shows you the value and the weight and the worth of everything else and everyone else around you. Wisdom which trains your steps to follow the Lord in every way that He leads. Please pray with me as we close out. Father God, Lord, you have given us so much. God, you give us each the rising and the setting of the sun. Lord, you've given us a world that is tailor-made for our life. God, that is beautiful and preaches your gospel, your word, your character in every movement, in every turning of the spirits, God. And God, you've given us variously wealth god various talents that we can use to serve each other lord i pray that we would i pray that we would praise you in our highest best moments god and in our lowest lord knowing that you're there with us knowing that you've been through this before god and that you are sufficient that you are our portion lord and that we will be satisfied in you if you are the only thing that we have left lord But i pray too that we would praise you for everything else that you have given us god all of your glorious provision which is always at the right time god i praise you for both lord i pray that you would teach us to be wise god you say you give to all without finding fault and there's so much fault in me god i pray that you would still give me wisdom in spite of that Lord, I pray that you would give it to each and every one of us here, Lord, that we would learn to walk in wise ways. And by that, I mean learn to walk in your ways. God, on your road that led to a cross, but also glorious resurrection. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. y'all stand and sing be thou my vision with us one more time and you are free to kneel down where you are we have kneelers here um we have phil in the back who's able to pray with you um and honestly y'all you can pray with the people next to you if you want this does not have to be a big decision to seek out prayer just move as god leads or you can sing with me be thou my vision again join me in the singing of the doxology.